This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hello. My name is David Poultney. I'm Minister for the Dunedin Methodist Parish. You can find us on Galloway Street in Mornington, at Chambers Street in Glenhaven, and Gordon Road in Mosdeal. While I'm here, I'll make a plug for Mornington Methodist YouTube channel. You can watch their service week by week at Mornington Methodist on YouTube. Do drop in. Tell us what you think. May we live this day compassionate of heart, clear in word, gracious in awareness, courageous in thought, generous in love. And our first hymn today is Come and Find the Quiet Centre.
I invite you to pray. Compassionate One, source of our every goodness, the urging leading us from isolation to connection, God of love. We rejoice in the web of tenderness in which human beings are bound. In love which turns upside down the hierarchies of the world, the tenderness shown the young, the considerate love shown to the elderly. We are thankful that in a world where efficiency is all, the relationships which matter most to us, the parts of our lives which make us most truly human, are defined not by profit and loss, or by questions of efficiency, but by a tender gifting. It is in this we find our deepest humanity, here that we glimpse our best selves, here, perhaps, that our lives are most like the life of Jesus, who lived and loved in ways which gave new possibility and meaning. May our lives be yet more like his. Let the boundaries of our compassion be set wider yet. Let us love in ways which create possibilities where there were none, and birth new hope where there was despair. This is our hope and our prayer. Amen. And a reading from Notes Over the Edge by Jim Palmer. God's image or likeness comes to expression in and through ordinary people doing ordinary things. Too often religion conditions people to only find God in a limited number of sacred things, a religious place, a religious day, a religious practice or ritual, a religious event or gathering, a religious book. But the living image of God is on display in everyday life through people being and expressing kindness being and expressing acceptance, being and expressing goodness, compassion, love, being and expressing beauty. I refer to them as ordinary for only two reasons. First, these are the things any of us can do at any moment in life. It requires nothing more than being present where you are. Nothing needs to be added or changed or different. Just live your life. Secondly, they may be considered ordinary because people don't get how significant and powerful they are because we've been conditioned to think that we should be doing something epic for God and have a major impact through some major efforts or program. The fundamental way Jesus lived his life was that he simply did the next thing 
or responded to situations as required. Jesus did not go looking for, contrive, or gin up situations to do some great thing for God. Jesus basically did only two things. He showed up for life. He lived authentically or true to his nature. Guess what? You can live your life that way too. So we pray. May we be mindful of our capacity to build up and tear down, of choosing life and death. May we act in ways which build, bind up, and nurture justice and life. Amen. I invite you to say the Lord's Prayer with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So may love be our way, a love that abides, a love that transforms, a love that is the image of the sacred in us. Amen. Our next hymn is Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven.
A reading from the book of Ruth, chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he, his wife, and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. Their two sons were Marlon and Chilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed, kissed them and wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it's been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you, or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus, and say to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. And from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. One of the scribes came near, and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribes said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. But I need to ask you a question. What is love? The one little word in English covers a multitude of meaning, doesn't it? Greek has seven words for love, four of which are used in different places in the Bible. Our experiences of love morph over time, even if our language lacks the flexibility to talk about it. A relationship might begin in eros, in romantic, passionate, sexual love, but over time it morphs into pragma, which is about commitment and companionship. Some people are addicted to the thrill of beginning, the headiness of infatuation. And once that recedes, lose interest in the relationship and seek an emotional hit from someone new. Of course, Relationships have become a mainstay of reality TV, a genre I tend to avoid as it seems both cruel and pretty stupid. I did by accident, though, discover one programme which I watch occasionally as a kind of guilty pleasure. It's called 90 Day Fiancé, and tells the stories of Americans bringing in foreign partners to the US and having, you guessed it, 90 days to marry them. Often they've met only briefly beforehand. And you see declarations of love, of having found the one after a few texts, and American men turning up at airports in South America or Eastern Europe or East Asia with an engagement ring ready to propose to an almost perfect stranger, or, as is often the case, a rather imperfect stranger. Is this love? Really, while I allow myself to be amused and appalled by it, I can't say. Some of these situations do work out. But it's not the kind of love we see in the Bible, in the readings we heard earlier. We heard the beginning of the book of Ruth. The story of a woman from Moab, or Jordan, who, when widowed, goes with her mother-in-law, Naomi, back to the land of Judah. Her love and care for her mother-in-law and her embracing the faith and life of her people. Where you go, I will go. Where you dwell, I will dwell. Your God will be my God. Made her, this foreign woman, 
a model of faithful love in Judaism. And incidentally, she becomes an ancestor to King David. We then heard Jesus say, love is the whole of the law. Love for God, well, yes, but also love for our neighbor, love for our fellow human beings. Love for people, then, isn't a happy accident or some kind of optional extra. What is it to love other people as we love ourselves? Now, we forget about loving ourselves sometimes, don't we? Clearly, the love here is not about a rush of romantic feeling. It's about living rightly, justly. And the words of the theologian Cornell West, justice is the order that love requires. Let us then to seek, seek to live justly and fairly, because in this is love for, for people, a love that creates possibility and newness, a love that is our turning up, our living authentically our best selves. Let us be loving, let us be just, for in doing so we give honour to God. Amen. Our next hymn is Our Life Has Its Seasons. I'm 
pray. We pray mindful that we don't pray alone, or even just those of us gathered over the airwaves today, but pray as part of the whole of God's people through Jesus Christ our Lord. Whoever lives to pray for us, we pray for the needs of the world. We're mindful that the world faces ecological crises and we pray for positive outcomes, resolve and action from the Glasgow Climate Conference coming up. We remember the people of Sudan where there has been a coup this week. Pray for the church that it urge a model love we pray for all in trouble or distress, for those who need the grace of a new start, and I invite you where you are to name something or someone you wish to add to our prayers. God of compassion and mercy, listen to our prayer. May what we ask in Jesus Christ, your Son, be done according to his word, who said, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. To you, merciful God, through your Son, in the life-giving Spirit, be glory and praise forever. Amen. And now some blessing words. Afterwards I'll say the grace, and I invite you to join with me in saying that. For the God who walks on wounded feet and heals with human hands. For the God of imperfections, we go into this wonderful world, this imperfect world, to reflect God's perfect love. And in so doing, claim what it is to be fully human. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.